Hello and welcome back to the podcast. I post episodes twice a week on Tuesdays and Thursdays on pretty much whatever I like. So welcome. In today's episode, we're taking a trip back into the past and exploring the story of a group of people known as the people of the mountains. In the collective consciousness of modern Ugandans, these people are seen as hardworking, straight-talking, brash, and arrogant. The Nigerian author Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie once said, the problem with stereotypes is not that they are untrue, but that they are incomplete. So let us flesh out this story a little more. It's the story of the origins of the Bachiga people of southwestern Uganda, who are my people. Abachiga, or people of the mountains, are a Bantu ethnic group of southwestern Uganda and northern Rwanda. They speak a Bantu language called Ruchiga and are referred to as the Bachiga or Chiga, while the singular form is Omuchiga. Here is the story of their beginnings. It's an exciting tale filled with plots and intrigue. At the center of the saga is a feud between two old friends, a deep betrayal, the theft of an ancient artifact, and the fracturing of a people. We also catch a glimpse of a rebellion led by a warrior queen as she fights for independence and freedom from the tyranny of the colonizers, and how these events influence the creation of a religious movement thousands of miles away on an island in the Caribbean Sea. Many names will come and go in the telling of this tale, but the important ones to remember are Mbogo, a king of old, his son Kachiga, and Chirima, a close friend and confidant to the king. The beginning of the legend takes us back to the 17th century and to Rwanda, where the Chiga people are believed to have originated. As mentioned in one of their folk songs, Abachiga Twenatukaruga Rwanda, Omubiumba Naruhenjere meaning all of us Bachiga came from Rwanda in Byumba and Ruhenjere, both Rwandan cities. The first Bantu to migrate to Rwanda were the Twa, followed by the Hutu and finally the Tusis, who all went on to live side by side and organize themselves in states and chiefdoms under one ruler called the Muami. Though these three major groups stood out, their clans remained the main point of reference, linked to their totems, the animals that served as the emblem of each clan. The first Muami was Mbogo of the state of Bumbogo, as he belonged to the Abungra clan, today known as the Wahitira. Mbogo had a long and uneventful reign, and when he began to advance in years, prepared to pass the kingdom on to his son, Kachiga. But this was never to be as in his old age, he was betrayed, challenged by his old friend Chirima of the Abanyiginya clan, who accused him of mistreating his people and claimed that he himself would make a much better king. Bogo, being old and frail, did not want to risk open war with Chirima, and so he relented and gave up the throne. Bitterly disappointed, Kachiga, Bogo's son and heir, fled north planning to regroup so he could return and defend his birthright. But his departure left a gaping hole in the state of Vumbogo. Kachiga had fled with the royal drum Kamuhagama, 
an ancient artifact decorated with the testicles of brave enemies that all kings required in order to make a claim to the throne and according to legend without which the kingdom could not stand without it the usurper chiruma could never claim to be the true king even so with the help of his sympathizers chiruma went on to establish a new kingdom and during his reign defeated the mighty bunyoro army descendants of the great chwezi empire forcing it back from rwanda's territories Chiruma was eventually succeeded by his son Mukobanya, that is, until disaster struck, with the first of two returning invasions by Bunyoro, led by Chwawan, son of Nyabongo, believed to be Labongo, the first Babito king of the Bunyoro Kitara kingdom of modern-day western Uganda. Mukobanya was defeated. Meanwhile, having fled north of Bumbogo, Kachiga continued pushing westwards, eventually settling in the forests of Kagarama, the mountains of the present border of Rwanda and Uganda, in what eventually came to be known as Chigezi District. But he never forgot his birthright, and around 1700 AD was plotting his return to the kingdom of Rwanda to fight the Banyoro invaders and challenge Chiruma for the throne. However, when he arrived in Kagarama, he found that the land was fertile and had good grazing for cattle. So he had a change of heart and determined to settle down and create a new kingdom. He then made a deal with his close friends and confidants to remain in in Kagarama, and so they became a new group of people called the Bachiga. Some time passed and the society prospered, but then Kachiga became restless. He remembered the days of glory in the old kingdom and longed to expand his territory and regain his stature. So he sent his finest warriors under the protection of the royal drum Kamuhagama first eastwards towards Karweru. These were the Wasiji under the leadership of Rwandeme and believed to be his fiercest warriors, ready to take on the forces of the kingdom of Ankole. But then disaster struck and Randeme lost the royal drum and fearful of the wrath of his king did not dare to return to Kagarama without it and so he remained in the mountains of Karweru and his group intermarried with the Ankole people and this explains why most of the Basiji are found in these parts and why there are many different accents intonations and spellings in the Ruchiga language And deterred by these losses, Kachiga then sent more warriors to expand his territory northward. These were the Abaromba and the Abahimba, but unfortunately, they did not return either. Instead, they they spread to parts of Moko, Rwanda, and Shihihi, as well as to Kakore and Mparo, and then proceeded to Nyachisheni and Nyarushanje. This explains why there is a mixture of Ankole and Kinyaranda accents and intonations in these areas as well. But now fearing the loss of protection afforded by the king's artifact, Kachiga attempted to have another drum made, but was unable to obtain the testicles of brave enemies with which to decorate it. And so he made a royal edict that his sons and daughters should not marry any foreigner because he believed that the true king should come from Rwanda. Still angry at his father for surrendering his birthright to the Rwandan throne without a fight, Kachiga ordered that all male children should be circumcised. 
although many did not support this, he decreed that every male member of the ruling clan, every Mungura, should undergo the ritual, including every king. This was to happen in the 11th year of every Chiga boy. The rest of the Bachiga do not circumcise under cultural obligation. They may do it for other reasons, but not because they are required to. So what follows is the legacy of Kachiga, son of Bogo, forebear of the Bachiga. Keep listening. Welcome back. So it is now clear that Kachiga was responsible for the formation of the Chiga kingdom, its clans and sub-clans. Each clan was identified by a totem the animals that served as the emblem of each clan and as a reminder of their ancestry. The totems also signified what they were forbidden from eating. So for example, the Bamungwe's totem was the bushback and they were prohibited from hunting it for food. These measures were not arbitrary. They were intended for the protection, sustenance, and well-being of the clans to ensure that they did not compete for the same food. There are many clans and sub-clans among the Bachiga, but the major ones are Bamungura, which is the royal clan which birthed the Mukama or the king, Bamusiji, which is the warrior clan charged with the defense of the king, Bamungwe, Bachinyajiro, Bamujiri, Bamujesera, Bamuhutu, Bamwisia, Bakarogwa, Bamugara, and Bamuyangwe. Each of these clans has sub-clans. Kachiga came to be known as Omukama, Originally, Mukama was not a name, but rather the title of a ruler. It eventually came to be recognized as a name, meaning one ruling man, and was later attributed to God as Lord. There are not many Bachiga with the name Mukama, as it is a name reserved for use in the family of the ruling clan, the Abungura or the Wahitira, who possess the rights of dominion over the nation. Variations of the name Mukama that are used include Biamukama, Chomukama, Womukama, Kamukama, Beinomukama, and so on. The most common figures of the few known Bungura royals include Muhanga or Mubanga, Rabutare, Kamboji, Kabogo, Katumba, Katamjuna, Kahiji, Bakunzi, Rakasore, Mungura, Bogo, and Rambogo. The Abungura, few as they may be, are still recognized as the royal clan of the Bachiga, and most of them live on the outskirts of Kabale town and still enjoy their hereditary wealth. They're not wealthy in the strict sense of the word, but are renowned for their love for research and education. The Wungura were also known for their tough leadership and sometimes seen as arrogant and aggressive. Kachiga also established the system of naming children. Bachiga take the family name only after their grandfather or their father has died. That is why it is hard to trace the lineage of the Bachiga through family names. For instance, Mbogo could be the son of Rambogo, but say in the seventh generation of the same family, Mubanjizi could be the son of Mubanga. Regardless, the same names revolved within the family, and nowadays many educated Bachiga, including the royal clan, find it useful to use their parents' surnames even when they are still alive. So Kachiga was a strong military ruler whose army crafted their shields out of cattle skin, and he advanced agriculture and the use of more modern tools. He enjoyed wrestling, dancing, hunting, and keeping cattle. 
But despite his determination, Kachiga was unable to fully centralize Chiga Kingdom. And this was due to fear and mistrust from his people, his failure to build a military strong enough to stage successful invasions, and the discovery of fertile lands and the sudden prosperity that enticed him and his compatriots to stay put. In part two, we go forward almost 200 years to the arrival of a strange people from a distant land, the beginnings of rebellion and the rise of a warrior queen. Keep listening. And I'll be right back. <coughs> Welcome back to part two. The scene opens in 1908 with the arrival of the British in Kigezi. There they find the Bachiga living as farmers and hunters with no central authority, a way of life that they have chosen for themselves, different from their kin in Rwanda. The Europeans, ignorant of their heritage, apply the concept of a tribe to the clans without any real basis because the Bachiga are a myriad of very distinct clan groups. Though there is a ruling class of the Abahitira or Abungura, the different clans are not united in any way, and the language they are speaking is a dialectical variation of Runyankore, Kinyaranda, Chihororo, and Chihaya. The term Bachiga could be translated from Kinyaranda as Highlanders and in the beginning is mainly used by the royal clan of the Abungura, but rarely do the people themselves recognize it as a whole tribe. But over time, it slowly becomes a part of local consciousness and today the term is widely used to mean the people of the mountains. However, that is not how they start out, not as a single distinct tribe as did other large tribal groups in the region. But back to the year 1908, the Bachiga are characterized as being hardworking and warrior-like, and their warrior nature makes it almost impossible for the colonizers to penetrate their culture. The Europeans fail to build much influence, as each clan is highly independent and not part of a centralized kingdom, and the Bachiga are impervious to the message of their advance guard, the missionaries. The Bachiga, suspicious of the Europeans, believe that to convert to Christianity will mean losing the capacity to reason, rendering one a simpleton. They equate Christianity with colonialism, and when they refuse one, they feel obliged to reject the other, or to accept both if they accept one. And so for a long time, the Bachiga defend their independence, and the region remains a hotbed of discontent against the colonial authority, often formed around traditional faith. And one of the strongest influences upon the character of the Bachiga is the faith of Nyavinji. Nyavinji at this time is a woman of legend, whose name means the one who possesses many things. The date and place of her birth are contested, but the American anthropologist Jim Friedman, who studied the Nyavinji movement in Rwanda and Uganda, dates her birth between 1750 and 1800 AD. The observance of the divinity of the woman known as Nyavinji originated in Rwanda around 1800, and at this time she is thought to be a powerful force in everyday life. Religious practice operates through a priestess and believers bring offerings so she can mediate with Nyabinji on their behalf. While there are anointed priestesses that communicate with her directly, she also influences ordinary people and belief in the faith is strong throughout the realm. And so the story goes that at the turn of the 20th century, the Rwandan king, Shigeri IV Rabujiri, 
is dead. And once again, the kingdom is thrown into a succession crisis, with many queen mothers claiming a right to the throne for their sons. The spirit of Nyavinji makes an appearance on the scene and guides one of the queen mothers, named Muhumuza, a famous Nyavinji priestess, who then flees to the mountains of Chiga. There she leads a campaign against Yuhi V, claiming to be the mother to the rightful heir to the Rwandan throne. She also proclaims an anti-colonial rebellion in 1911, challenging a system of forced labor tribute, Ubaretwa, that has been imposed on the Bachiga by the colonizers. Muhumza fights valiantly, but is captured in 1913, and her resistance is taken up by her son, Ndugutse. Although Ndugutse is later killed, sporadic rebellions continue to spring up throughout the region until the advent of Belgian rule after World War I. Muhumza goes on to inspire further anti-colonial movements in East Africa, rebelling against European colonial authorities. And so the influence of Nyavinji continues across East Africa, mostly championed by women. Despite many valiant attempts to throw off the yoke of colonialism, eventually an Anglo-German agreement is signed between British and German territories. It modifies the border, making many Bachiga de facto Ugandans in 1911, when the current international boundaries of Uganda were formalized at Kamwezi. Legend has it that the bloodline of the Nyavinji warriors eventually settled in the heart of Zimba, Zimbabwe, now known as Zimbabwe, and in the 1930s, the legend of Nyavinji traveled across the oceans to the Caribbean Sea and inspired early pra practitioners of the Rastafari movement in Jamaica, a faith that had emerged devoted to the Ethiopian emperor Haile Selassie. The term Nyavinji eventually comes to be used to describe a gathering of Rastafarians, and among their women, Queen Nyavinji, as well as Empress Menenas IV, are held up as symbols of women's agency to resist domination. Is it any wonder then that Chiga women are famed for their warrior spirit? And that is where our tale ends today. I have taken some artistic license with some of the details, but the broad strokes remain true. I want to give a special shout out to my parents who helped to review it, and to my godfather, Mr. Charles Kabuga, whose autobiography, Learning, Leading, Legacy, proved an invaluable resource. Any errors, omissions, or mispronunciations are all mine. <laughs> for more details on the sources I used for this story, please see the description box. Next time in this series, we travel further north to the land of the Great Lakes and home of the great metal workers of the West to Chitara, the great Chwezi Empire. Thanks for listening. Give us a like and subscribe to the channel if you enjoyed this episode and follow me on Twitter at SKentaro to continue the conversation. I hope you'll be back for the next one. Goodbye for now. <laughs>